sit down and write the vision that you want your life to look like. Hmm. Write it like you're in the moment, you're feeling you're there. The smells, the sights, how do you feel? How's the sun glistening off of the windows? You want to feel like you're there. That's going to basically tell you exactly what you should be doing with your life. From that point, another practical tip is now you got to plan based on that. What do you need to do to get there today, tomorrow, next week, next month, next year? The other practical tip is you only have to be better than you were yesterday. Don't compare yourself with other people. This is the Fit Investor Podcast, where we talk about how to live a more holistic life of being fit, not only financially, but physically and faithfully. We'll be joined by experts in all these areas to share their experiences and actionable and practical tips so that you can be a fit investor too. So now let's join our hosts, Kale Delaney, Wesley Whitehead, and Brenna Carls. All right, ladies and gentlemen, here we are with another episode of the Fit Investor Podcast. I'm your host, Kale Delaney, here with the bearded man, Mr. Wesley Whitehead, and Miss, Mrs. Brenna Carls. The non-bearded one. The non-bearded one, thankfully. <laughs> and today we have a special guest, Jason Reagan. So Jason is a business professional with a diverse background in process improvement, quality control, and real estate. So over five years of experience in the industry, he's made a name for himself as a top performing agent, team leader, and real estate investor. Before transitioning to real estate, he spent several years working with major companies such as Nike and TJX, where they honed their skills in process improvement and quality control. So this experience gave him a keen eye for detail and a strong sense of how to optimize systems for maximum efficiency. But in 2016, he made the move to real estate and quickly established himself as a rising star in the industry. He started a team of his own and closed over 150 transactions in his career. Along the way, developed a deep understanding of the market and built a reputation for providing exceptional customer service. From there, he turned his attention to real estate investing, flipping about 10 homes over the past few years and began exploring the world of short-term rentals, which led to the purchase of his first STR property in Florida. Today, he's continuing to grow that and they recently purchased a short-term rental management business that they operate in New Hampshire around the White Mountains that currently manages over 30 units. He also coaches new investors on how to create their business while building the life they want with their newest venture into motel acquisitions. So with that, Jason, welcome to the show. And you've got a lot going on and we're talking offline about some of this stuff. I'm from New Hampshire as well. So we we're talking about that, but uh, why don't you just give us a little bit more of a background where you grew up, what got you into the business that you started and into the real estate in the first place. Cool. Thanks, man. First off, I cannot grow a beard like. Wesley over there, even if I tried, this is it. My dad can grow a beard. My brother can grow a beard. I can't grow a beard. I don't know why. It's fake. Don't worry. It's fake. <laughs> it's extension. extension. Now, I'm from Massachusetts. I grew up in Lemonster Island, Westminster right now. I was in corporate America for a while, mostly housing, quality improvement, process improvement, things like that. I actually moved down to Memphis, Tennessee for a promotion at one point in time. So I helped large TGX online. It helps out though warehouses for that. That was a really cool experience in a really new area. From there, I moved on to Nike to help them expand on theirs to the biggest, I think it's the second biggest warehouse in America, down in Memphis, Tennessee, help Sears out. Then we moved homes. The goal was always to be home. I'm a big family person. 
and families up here in Massachusetts. So we came home during that time. I had a transitional job. It was a SaaS job as a manager. My wife was in nursing and that's what brought us back. She went to the job at the ER. And then November came right after we bought our house. I got laid off, laid downsized basically because of having problems. And I went to my wife and she's always supported me. She's wonderful and amazing. It's like after applying for a bunch of jobs, it's like, like real estate, that process, I want to find out more about that. You pull if I give my agent a call, buy her coffee and sit down and say, what's it really like to be a real estate agent? So not HDTV, it's not show three houses and you have one that would make my job a lot easier. Right. But that's not what it's like. So I sat down with her, figured out what really is like to be a real estate agent. And then I actually joined up with their team, Keller Williams. From that time, I worked really hard. Basically, I put in all the hours, burned candle at both ends, midnight oil, all the other things you can think of to get myself to where I am now. So I went from there to single agent to starting my own team and then COVID hit. And when COVID hit, we were all scared, right? What is going to happen to the industry when it comes to real estate, as a real estate agent or an investor or anything else in the world? And during that time, I wanted to get into investing because as an agent, you have no full on Capelin, no IRA. I mean, you can start one, yeah, but there's no company match or anything like that. So I always knew when I stopped selling homes, I stopped getting money. But I had to figure out how can I make it so I'm not working until I'm 90 years old, going on nights and weekends, showing people houses. I love getting people houses. I also love my family and my time. I met an investor during that time who flipped houses and I said, I'll find you the house. I'll do all the legwork by being there every day, reporting what's going on because he's from Boston, which is an hour away. All I ask you teach me how to do it. So we worked together for about a year. And then after that, we both went to separate ways. I wanted my own, he wanted his. And started flipping some houses. And then the short-term rentals, bigger pockets, pretty much everyone knows about them, right? But I was going to the conference one year and I had my coach. I believe in having coaches. And they told me, look, I want you to do one thing at the conference this year. Find what investment type excites you. Not one you should do, not the best one in the industry, but what excites you. The biggest thing she always told me is do, ver I mean, want versus need. What do you want versus what you need? What should be the next steps versus what do you want the next steps? And I went down there and I checked out mobile home investing. I checked out syndication and large multifamily, all that fun stuff. And one of the stored, checked out stored, which I left that one. I agree with the lucrative way of doing things and the crap out of me. <laughs> and I went to short-term rental when I said, oh, this is cool. Like I can go and earn money for my retirement through cash flow and appreciation and then visit really cool places, write it off taxes too. That got me into there. And I met somebody from the short-term shop there and Avery and Luke and a whole bunch of people. And they got me hooked up with my agent, Wade in Florida, mm -hmm. who is the man. Uh, he helped me find the one I have in Kissimmee, Florida, which is, has a horror theme. And we just got a Toy Story theme in there too. Nice. Very cool. Yeah. Is that good? Yeah. Very cool. And then, so what about the, the management business as well? Yes. Sorry. I guess I've got a lot going on, like you said. So <laughs> the management business, I was looking for my second short-term rental. I was trying to figure out to do it. And I want, I, don't want, I want a different market. So I want to diversify. So if something happens to that market, there's no issues or huge issues. Now Disney's not going anywhere, but so I started looking at here and I have a short term rental 
Facebook, smaller page that I have, yeah, short term mental masterminds. And we went there talking and somebody posted something in their history. Like, well, that looks great. It's got a view. It's got a great place for a hot tub. And it's got a couple of things. That's good. Gave the agent a call. Started talking for a while, probably an hour or so. And she was like, you know what? If this doesn't work out, I have a short term rental business. My priorities have changed my life. Want more family time and things like that. Think of selling it. What do you think of that? Well, I let her know. The numbers work and the cash and cash return is there. Then yeah, I'd be very interested in that. So ran the numbers, tried to learn how to buy a business, did it okay. I know I didn't do it by the books and sell a finance that deal. And now I have short-term rental management company. And then I had a friend that had one on the other side of the mountains and we decided to combine forces. So it's now worthwhile stays is the management company. It was written made, we bought it. And then from there, weirdly enough, I had a few friends that were looking at motels. One of them was the guy combined the business with and another, another friend of mine. And they said, you know what? We got this motel buying group we're doing right now. We need a good office guy. You want to come in as GP. And then I guess I was in the motels at the given time here, you know, or even Bartlett now. It's been quite a year. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so. No, that's awesome, man. The cool thing, and lots of, you touched on a lot of stuff and you know, I've been writing down some notes here. Let's start back towards the beginning. You had this corporate job for how long? How long did you work in that field? In that field, I was in it probably about eight years total. About eight years. Okay. And before getting laid off, was that something that you really enjoyed that job and you thought you were going to, that was what you're going to do until you retired? Was that kind of your plan or? Yes, that was the plan. I always kicked around starting a business, the franchise and stuff like that, but I never really thought it would happen. It was right. basically, so when I got to college, it was basically the same thing as the word fed is corporate ladder. You got to get this job. I got to crush that job. I got to get that job. I got to crush that job and up the line, up the line, up the line. That was the plan basically. And then sometimes things happen for a reason. I've always, I always want to think start my own business, but I never would have done it unless somebody gave me the kick I needed. And this just happened to a friend of mine too. And I got the kick I needed. It was painful. I went home very upset. How do I help feed my family and stuff like that right now? And, but it got me here. So to the whole, like one door closes and another one opens. Yeah, no, so, absolutely. And yeah, so I wanted to flesh that out a little bit because just like you said, you know, that's the path that most people are on. That's the path I started out on and same thing. It took a kick or a pain, so to speak, to make a transition and. For a lot of people, COVID was that kick, that kick in the butt to get started for better or worse. But what I want to highlight there was, you know, you had no intention of leaving the corporate world for you. That was what you saw yourself going into retirement for, but eventually you got laid off for whatever reasons. And when those things happen, we have the option to either lick our wounds and get back into the same thing that we were doing, which is what most people end up doing because that's their, that's the comfort zone, right? Or take a step out of our comfort zone, take a risk, try to start something, a business or, or whatnot, and seize the opportunity that's presented itself. And you obviously did that. And it seems like you've become you know, very successful since that time. You've got multiple business now, multiple partnerships. And so I just wanted to highlight that again, to encourage our audience that even if you've never thought of being an entrepreneur or starting a business, when these things happen, like getting laid off, or if there is a certain pain point where you can't see yourself in that job for the next 30, 40 years, don't cut yourself short. Start thinking about what the opportunities are so that if and when something does happen, 
you can take the reins and you can now try to create or push towards your own destiny instead of working for somebody else. So I think that's great that you took that opportunity and really turned it into something great here. Thanks. Yeah, it's, it was wonderful. I didn't know about this concept at the time, but it's about think, thinking about the gain versus the gap. I could just wallow. You, you do some wallowing in the beginning, but forever. But then you can think of, wait, what opportunities does this open up for me? What can I do? Yeah, absolutely. And I know you touched on your family and how important that is to you. I assume you're married. Do you have kids or? Married with two fur babies. Two fur babies. Okay. Kids. <laughs> gotcha. My, daughter, my mother, my father, my brother, his kids are all in the area. And okay. Family, our family's all been close and I had great family. So being around them is a big deal to me. Right. I think they focus on. And that was one of the impetuses for you wanting to take that step and, and starting the business, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it helped. Yes, but I also know it wasn't going to be a normal, quick thing. I started right. business and my wife and I had a discussion about it. We knew that for the first, if you really want to go fast to start your own business, you've got to put the work in. It's not just turn on and go. So I did spend four years, nights, weekends, 80 hours a week and stuff like that. And I'm finally getting to the point where I'm making myself more well-rounded life. It's one of the things that we talk about um, when I talk to people sometimes is we can work so hard and earn a lot of money. I was doing quite well as an agent, but I don't even do agency stuff much anymore because I don't want to do nights and weekends because my family means things to me. For a couple of years, I worked very hard and I was very unhappy, even though the money was coming in because I didn't have the rest of my life. And now I'm happy. The money's coming in. I have, but that's not what's the biggest thing is I have travel trips. I go on, I'm going to go on about six trips this year, some for business, some not for business. I have nights and weekends with my family. I, one of the things I started this year, one of my goals was during family events, I put my phone on airplane mode. There's nothing in that two hour span that is going to blow up in my business that I can't handle after that. And that's something that took me a long time to get through my skull. No, I knew that. Yep. No, that's awesome. I'm glad you, I'm glad you brought that up because especially we talk about this a lot, especially in the world of social media, it becomes very easy for people to think that things are easier than they are or that they're faster than they are. And it can be a bit of a shock when people see that, Hey, you actually have to, just like you said, put in a lot of work, make some sacrifices and it's not an overnight thing. And so I think that's crucial for people to hear that. Yes, if you plan on starting a business, especially in the economic situation and stage that we're in currently, you need to be prepared to make sacrifices with your time, with your efforts, with all these different things and not expect an overnight rags to riches type story that you can oftentimes see out there. So I'm very happy that you brought that up and that you put a focus on, okay, I want my life to look like this. I understand that to do that, it's going to take me these sacrifices. You discussed it with your wife and your family. Everybody's on the same page. You work through that. And now you've reached that point, you know, now I'm at the life or approaching that stage of life where I have the more well-balanced life. Yeah. And one of the things that helped a lot was I learned how to write a true vision, like actually like the vivid vision, that book there, the three-year vision. I learned that and that vision is my driver now where I'm on a beach in Orange Beach. I'm traveling to conferences. I'm helping people out and I'm not doing day-to-day -day stuff in the business. So now I have things that like, if an opportunity comes to me for a job, for work, for an investment, I have some things in place. Like one of them is basically if I can have to be in a certain place to do this forever. Like I have a nine to five desk job, something like that. 
I won't do it. It has to be able to be done anywhere in the world. So that's one of the reasons I'm an operator in most of the things. I do have a, my background, obviously, is operations. But also, this day and age, you can I can pick up and go anywhere, sit down, and be able to handle. I can run my short-term rental. I run the one in Florida, and I run the business in New Hampshire three hours from me. Yeah, and that's awesome as well. Similar thing with me. That's why I one of the things that attracted me to short-term rentals was I had a similar goal as you, is that I wanted to have that flexibility, not only in time, but in location as well. And short-term rentals affords that, that opportunity, thankfully. Another thing that you had mentioned was you're a big believer in coaches. So when did you start with a mentor or a coaching program or something? That was actually right after I left Keller Williams. So I left Keller Williams when I was going to become a solo agent. And a friend here sat down with me and he said, look, I don't care where you go, what you do, but get yourself a coach to help you stay on track with what's going on. Cause we don't have, I had a team leader here that helped me with that. All right, cool. I've also played sports all my life. So that's helped out a lot. So I got that coach that he told me to get and the coach helped me. This is what you need to do is what you need to do. That was just a business coach. I'd moved on to, that was a small coach. I was at the Bobini program. I've been in Tom Barry. So my coach is becoming progressively more and more about mindset. Because if you have everything internally working correctly, externally, your business going to work well, but it helped you. Sometimes we can't get out of our own way. And sometimes the coaches will say things that will help you get out of your own way. So right. I think my coach told me at the 20 Robbins coach at one point was Jason, stop doing what you think should be done next and start doing what you want to do next towards my vision. So like I was flipping homes, right? I slipped six homes, I think last year. I set up my next year's plan. My next year plan was bring an acquisition manager on, bring a construction manager on. I flipped 30 homes this year. I think it was like 20. So that was the next step. And she was like, do you enjoy that? Like, Not really. But it makes the money and it's building the business. And that's when I took a turn and put it out there in my vision, what I wanted to do. And the things happen is weird. Like you put it out into the world and it happens. So when my vision was all about coaching, starting a coaching program, coaching, helping people live a balanced life while earning money and mm -hmm. becoming great. And then lo and behold, a friend of mine, one of the guys in the health program who's been investing forever, he's like, Hey, I have a coaching program I'm starting and I'd like you to help me out with it. Whoa. I didn't think I'd be coaching for a couple of years, but that hit me and that happened. So it's, I'm finding more and more, if you put out into the world, what you want, you know, it, things, the opportunities will come. You just may not see it sometimes. So what would you say? Cause coaching comes up a lot for many people when they're seasoned entrepreneurs or beginning entrepreneurs. And of course, I think the biggest pushback that you typically get is the financial investment part of it, especially if you're starting out. So what would you say to somebody who is considering getting a coach, but is at that mental hurdle? I gotcha. I'm not the sales side of coaching very well, but I'll <laughs> basically. Like what's the main benefits that you've experienced from having a coach? The main benefits I've experienced is keeping me on track. So basically, you know, just, it's not just telling me, Hey, get this done because Monday.com can do that for me. I don't need somebody else to do that. But what is all the things you're trying to get done? And what is the most important things to get done right now? And then also, again, does it make you happy? And does it drive you towards your goal? So I guess the most important thing about coaching is to get you out of your head. Anybody right. can teach you how to flip a home, how to wholesale something. I don't want a short-term rental. I can sit with you and give you the overview. I don't want a short-term rental in this half an hour. I guess you want to. You guys could too, right? But it's the 
everything else about business because when you're in the business, you don't see everything you need to build the business. And you also don't see sometimes outside of what's happening within family, fun, finances, fitness, the rest of the right. life. So as you, because you see, I'm not a big pitch person when it comes to getting people into coaching. No, no that's fine though. But coming from somebody who's been a believer in it and been in coaching programs for however long you have, it's good to hear that feedback. And just overall, would you say that being in various coaching programs has that, you think that has fast-tracked your progression in the businesses? Yeah, because I can learn things quicker and I have people that can keep me on the path I need to make myself, I'll get myself the way I need to be. Because let's think about Stan's real estate agent or investor or something like that. And a lot of things we like to do is let's let me work my logo, my email signature for freaking two weeks where you should be setting up your systems to get your leads coming in to make you phone calls or anything else. Because if you don't have leads, you don't have money coming in, you don't have a business. You know, cool. It doesn't matter how pretty your logo is, right? Or anything like that. It's those things that you have to kind of figure out. Coke would tell you that because you don't want to pick up the phone. Making the logo is fun. Right. Getting yelled out of the phone ain't fun. <laughs> but that's part of the business if you're doing the flipping and wholesale side of the business, which a lot of people start with. Right. So getting that accountability, getting somebody with a, an outside set of eyes that can tell you where you should be prioritizing your tasks on the things that are going to bring your business the most benefit versus maybe the things that are easier or comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And then another thing that I was getting from everything you were talking about is a lot of these opportunities that have come up for the very businesses and things that you started here have come through relationships. I mean, you mentioned the coaching business, the motel acquisition business that you're in now, the, the property management, all these things came through friends or other relationships that, that you had. And you hear that common phrase, your net worth is your network. So how, what do you do or how do you foster building or finding those types of relationships? Yeah. So one of the things I did before was network groups, right? That was a big thing. So I would go to networking groups, get to know people there. And I would then take them up to lunch. I'll buy you a drink and lunch. We just sit down and talk. There's no pitches and there's no anything. It's just, I want to get to know you. You get to know me. In fact, that's how I grew my flipping business when I did the couple of flips I did. Everything was brought from by wholesalers. So I didn't use postcard marketing, text marketing. I tried that stuff. It didn't work. But what I did was if a wholesaler contacted me, I got in touch with them. I sat down with them. We had some drinks, some food or whatever it was. And we got to know each other. And by that, they would bring me the deal before other people. So I get to pick them over, which actually got me to this whole like line of things I'm doing right now. So I had a wholesaler bring me a deal in Lancaster. I had a personal deal in Lancaster. And we kept in touch. I said, let's sit down and have a drink. We went to Wartenta Grill, which is my favorite place to eat right now. They got a great salad over there. And started talking. And on my to-do list this year was to start a networking group. And he said, I didn't bring up people out of his, like, hey, what's that networking group? The Lone Stars. Holy crap, me too. What a place it is. And then he just joined this brokerage. He's like, my broker wants to start with a Lone Star too. Well, that's awesome. So we all got together. So my broker had them already. His broker, sorry, had them already in other places. So we had the systems in place, which is wonderful. I don't have to create them. Started the networking group. And then that his broker that helped me start the networking group is the one that does the coaching and motels. Mm. So all from just being the guy who's a friend of mine now and just getting to know someone that got me into coaching. I wanted to get into running networking groups. I got one low bono. We'll have a national one soon coming out. Motel buying and coaching business. Yeah, it's just, I don't have a system behind it. 
I just be nice to people, get to know people and I'll figure out what they need and what their wants are. Don't try to call an agenda. Right. I don't know if this book will actually show up. I get the go giver here. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. It's not looking, but you guys know what I'm saying. And I read that once and I was like, wow, that's mind changing. These are, I can give because I love giving and it will also help me financially as long as I'm willing to receive. Yeah, I know you said you you don't have a system, but I think you actually do because your system really is going in and being, it sounds at least being genuine and not, like you said, not going in with an agenda and not going in with a pitch. And I think that's where a lot of people get caught up is they're going into whatever these networking events or whatever it may be and thinking, what can I get from this? What can I get from this relationship instead of, like you were saying, what can I give? And people intrinsically can sense when they're being sold to, right? Yeah. And it's, it, it puts up defenses automatically for whatever reason, that's just the way we're programmed. And so when you go into a relationship or an event or something like that, with that mindset, it's going to be, it's going to turn people off probably more often than not. But when you go in with the mindset of how can I help or how can I add value or not expecting anything in return, that's where you can foster and build those relationships. And hey, if it leads to something awesome, but you just, you might never know that one relationship, like you mentioned, led to all these different things and propelled you to where you are right now. So I think yeah. that's another key point, which is awesome. I guess you are right. Yeah. So yeah, it's just give value and make sure they know what you're looking for too. Like mm -hmm. don't start off with that. Give all the value you can connect them with other people. Cause if you're giving value to a lot of people, you start to know a lot of people, which means connect right. together. And then at the end you say, hey, by the way, if you know any boutique hotels in New Hampshire, if that, you know, look at a sale, just let me know. That's, that way that's, they have a plant in their heads. That's another key point too. Absolutely. Letting people know what you do or what you're looking for as well, because you yeah. oftentimes do that. We don't, we don't put it out there and nobody knows. <laughs> it's like right. they talk to your buy box and some people don't have a good buy box when it's in the investment, right? What, so you right. say, I want to buy a wholesale opportunity in Massachusetts. And if you do that, no one's ever going to bring you anything because they have no idea. But if you're like, I'm looking at North Central Massachusetts. No, sorry, I can't talk. What's central Massachusetts? I'm going to three bedroom or a two bath. I have to buy it under $150,000 and I want to resale for $100,000. Do a two bedroom if it does have a visual basement. Then when that's something that comes across, you're like, oh, Jason wanted the exact thing. And it's that way with, that's an example when it comes to wholesaling and flipping, but that's an example across everything within business and within your life. Yeah. No, that's awesome. So a lot of good, a lot of good lessons there, especially for people who are starting out and getting into the entrepreneurship world. Lots of really great tips there. Now you talked about, again, going back to one of the reasons you got started in the business was to build a more holistic life, have more time with your family and everything, which thankfully you're, like you said, you're getting to that point now where you're building that life that you want. What do you, when it comes to, when it comes to like fitness? So we talked on something and in fitness, it's not just necessarily physical fitness, it could be mental fitness and that type of thing. But when it comes to that part of your life, like what, is that an important area? Do you focus, is that part of your vision for having a holistic life? It is a focus. I will let you know it's a less of a focus right now. So I was doing martial arts. I do Krav Maga. Oh, okay. It's a street martial arts form from Israel. And I actually stopped that about six months ago. And that was a personal thing. I talked to my instructor because I'm reading this book. This, I wasn't reading this book at the time, but it's a nice way to analyze it or look at it called The Family First Investor. It just came out. They talk about the full burner approach. There's only so much gas I have or so much attention I can give to something. 
And I knew this year I had to do a few things. So I took that burner down to add the flame to the finance burner. I will hopefully be back in that in the next couple of months. I'm stabilizing the business I just bought. We need to stabilize the motel that's coming up. But right now I am off the track when it comes to fitness. But I take a look at it as, yeah, I need to get my diet right and stuff like that. But then I can turn up once the finances are where I want it to be, I can turn back up that. So yeah. that's not, uh, that makes sense. Yeah. And so I kind of like that strategy and I'll have to look out for that book because that sounds good. Yeah. It sounds like you're doing things just strategically one way or the other, right? Yeah. We do things by five, the five app approach. So it's family, fun, faith, fitness, and finances. And what I look at it like is I have a hundred percent or a hundred points that I can put into these when it comes to focus. Sometimes some are at zero. It could be weekly, it could change monthly, it could change daily. Sometimes they're all at 20. Sometimes one's at 75. So Right now, my fitness worth is probably down. I have this written down right now. My fitness worth is probably down around 10 and 20 because my fun and my finances and my family are ramped up right now. So I've spent a lot of time in business. I'm going on a good amount of vacations and I have my nights and weekends with my family. I'm quick vacation with the family too. So I can't, all in my world of the five, all five can't be 100%. Right. You try that. Like we do weekly, I do weekly things that says this is what I'm going to do to move this forward each week each one of these categories if i have six of each all i'm going to do is burn myself out i've done it before just go full speed and then you hit a wall and then you're unhappy and then you hate your life even though you're doing all these things to make your life better you're stressed out yeah that's a very good point and you mentioned the five f's and i know you're in the gobundance program is that from gobundance no, that's from the coaching program that's uh, from the coaching program that gobundance is eight gardens and i actually we say those off to you what I've found from all of these things, the five apps, the eight gardens, Tony Robbins and everything else, they're all similar as to what they boil down to is just a whole world of life. Body, make sure your body and your mind are right. Make sure you take time for yourself. Make sure you're having fun in your life, not just like work till you're 90, then hope to have fun. Then we never know what's going to happen. If I had a car, I had a friend that had cancer, like anything could happen right now. So I put it this way. This is not like phrase I have in my head. But I live for today and plan for tomorrow. So I'm working hard for the future, getting my investments and stuff like that so I can retire early and will be financially free and do the things I want to do. But that doesn't mean I'm going to sacrifice everything today and be miserable for the next 10 years. That's, I've done that not for 10 years, but that seems to be the way sometimes we look at it is if I'm miserable for 20 years, I can be happy retired for 10. Is that a trade off? Yeah. No, very important. And so. <laughs> With the Krav Maga, I had very briefly done some of that. And Wes, you did some of the Krav Maga as well, didn't you? I think you were the one who told me about it. And yeah, I did started. it for three years and then switched to jujitsu. So I've kind of done a little bit of both. So what? Jujitsu and uh, Thai kickboxing. Oh, yeah. You done Muay Thai as well? Okay. Yeah, I was a blue belt in it actually a long time ago. <laughs> we find new stuff about. Crazy stuff about Brenna all the time. Okay. Every podcast is like a little gem that she drops. <laughs> oh, by the way, I fight sharks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I might be coming next. <laughs> oh, I forgot to tell you about that. No, kidding. <laughs> oh, man. Martial arts are awesome. I don't do any currently. But uh, tell us a little bit about Krav Maga. What, how long did you do it? What did it involve? What did you like about it? Sure. So I did Krav Maga for two or three years. And then I had a couple years off because I started in Memphis. That's where I found it. I did Martial Arts with a Kid. I did Karate for a couple of years, mostly rolling around, kicking pads. So I can do a mean 
border because of that. <laughs> and then we went back home. I couldn't find a good place to do it here. Try to view and randomly stumble upon one one day. And then I did a virtual with me, you know, more years. I basically had a point to take my black belt test if I was in shape. So I'd have to get back in shape again. But I got the red black belt that's long before that. What I liked a lot about it is it, there's a couple things. It combines well fitness and martial arts for me. So it's not just a focus on the art itself. It's a focus on getting you pushups and getting you running and stuff like that. Because mm. I'm really bad at going to the gym or getting up and taking a run or something like that. This was the only way I could find that motivated me to stay in shape. Another thing is I don't like that is I understand the principles. I understand what they're at. If you're a karate person, let this, please don't blow me up on social media. <laughs> I just, it just didn't interest me as much to do the kata. I wanted to get to a point where we're actually doing more punching, like Muay Thai. Most of the striking is Muay Thai in there, the roundhouse kicks and everything else. And actual, the, let's see. The methods themselves within Krav Maga are methods that are supposed to be easy to learn, easy to use and work on your body mechanics. So instead of teaching complicated techniques, which takes as many years to get done and perfected, they teach you easier techniques. Now they may not be as efficient if I but I don't take 10 years to do it. So I like the simplicity of it when we're in the, actually I taught it for a little while. Okay. It, uh, it needs discipline, but yeah, it's simplicity and quick attacks. It made me feel. I've never been in a fight. He said, my brother and I, when I was younger and we both fought as siblings. And I never want to be in a fight because it does teach you also to be aware of your surroundings, not put yourself in situations where you're going to have in a fight or that. But I want to be ready to handle if I can. They teach you all kinds of stuff like gun and knife defense, which don't do that. It's just guns in your face. Give them what you want, what they want. Oh, you want whatever they want. Here you go. Here's all my stuff. All the training just goes out the window guns in your face and you're like actually i would prefer yeah. <laughs> i do teach you that the first thing if you like are in that situation is if you can get away go right. yeah. like first thing in any self-defense situation run away because you can hurt yourself in a fight even if you want you to hurt yourself you can hurt them hell wait what if you knock them down and they're bleeding out on the ground and stuff like that that's now you've got assault but things can happen yeah it's just and then the other thing is to comply so when they teach you how to design someone like someone's got a gun in your face you screw that up, you're dead. You really, you really want to take that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that's just from my very brief experience with Krav God. That was the one thing that had attracted me to it as well, that it was more of a practical, yeah, just a practical self-defense for real life applications. Yeah. Um, to get people ready for in three years where Wesley Jiu-Jitsu takes 10 years to get black belt. Yeah. It's, it's awful. awful. In my gym, it's 15 years of black belt track. Wes has been doing it for 20 years. He's still a white belt. Absolutely. No. <laughs> Just kidding. I, no, I, I was always a white belt. I sucked at that. I hate. I tried it. I did E. I did no gi. I uh, just, it was like, oh, it's for this small person like you. And yeah. I'm like, okay, this 300 pound man just strengthened me out of an yeah. orb bar. So yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah. But you're not right. You put me not ready to stand though. Well, okay. I was like trying to do the arm bar and he literally like just rolled over my whole body. Went with him. I'm like, okay, this isn't, this isn't. And the thing, with, the thing with jujitsu is it definitely gives the advantage to a smaller person. If you have technique and they just have size and strength, if they have the same technique that you have and they outweigh you by 50 pounds. Yeah. Obviously, unless you're just lightning fast, they're going to have the advantage. So yeah, I mean, it's not exactly little guy stuff. It's just the little guy who looks nerdy with glasses. Then he puts you in a freaking rear naked choke or takes your back. Yeah. And you're like, out. you're like, okay, that was interesting. 
But yeah, I mean, if you got one of the guys in our gym, he probably weighs 230 pounds. He's six foot tall. He's tattooed all the way on his freaking head. He's got like dragons on his ears. And <laughs> the dude looks like a freaking monster. He walks like the Hulk. And he's a black belt. And so if you have him up against another black belt who weighs 150 pounds, come on. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did jujitsu for a little while. I liked it the first time like, a few years ago. Not as much as Krav. The gym I was originally was I had both. So I did them both for a little while. And then I just tried to do it after Krav. But at one point, I'm like, I don't. Nope, I don't bend like this right now. And it just didn't work. I respect the art entirely. I watched, what, Hoist Gracie at UFC. We took out all the big guys. It's just not for me. Yeah. I had one that was, <clears throat> his brother actually was in the UFC. And he they were twins. And he was really good, too. Like, he was about to go, I think, train or whatever you call it, for the UFC. He didn't know how to hold back. And so he'd get, he would give 110% all the time, which was why he was so good. Cause he always try really hard. He was like really passionate about it. And so I rolled with, I would roll with him and he didn't realize I was a small person and he went to side control and like for side control, you're supposed to, they put all, they put all the weight on you so you can't move. And I felt my ribs do this and I like, I was like, Ugh. and then the next day I woke up and I couldn't breathe all the way out that well and found out that I had cracked a rib Oh, really? because oh he went to side control so fast and with so much uh, and he felt he was like so he was like he's like a gentle giant but I was like I'm a few kids <laughs> the way they taught to use the body weight on the ground is amazing like I when I was tried it I rolled though another white belt was probably heavier than me and then I rolled a black belt that was like 150 and the black belt weighed four tons somehow they timed him 75 knots every two seconds, too. He was nice about it, of course, but you don't wait. Smiling. Yeah. So somebody that can actually, like, knows how to do that is nuts. And, yeah, you go to the ground with somebody there, jujitsu, and I'm going to get all sorts of destroyed. Yeah. I have the best advice for anybody out there that's in any of this. And I learned it on the farm. And this is what I've always heard. They say, if you're, you and your friends or whomever are in a field, and you find yourself in the field where the bull is and that bull's charging at you. Oh, God. You don't have to be the fastest. Or no, you don't have to. Yeah, you don't have to be. What was it? Hold on. You just have to run faster than the person with you? That... Yeah, that's what it was. Something <laughs> like, or just... trip them up or whatever. So <laughs> you don't have to be like the strongest. You just have to outrun the person that you're with or something. <laughs> So that's my motto. Like, I am ready to trip somebody up at all times when I'm walking in a parking lot by myself. Like, finding another person, I'm like, you're going to because I'm falling no, out of here. Yeah, don't, don't go drinking with Brenna. I know. One of us. I'm ready <laughs> to, like, I have I see all options all the time. I know. Gosh, geez. Right. Damn. You talked about that guy that went too hard on you. One, my advice is well, work with people in martial arts. If you're the person that's the better, the more experienced person, you're the one that has control of the situation. But mm -hmm. inspiring with people when I was inspiring with people a year ago, you know, I'm not just going to pound on someone that's just inspiring. Hold back. You help them walk the way through it, throw easier punches, slower punches, things like that. No, he was holding back. That's the sad part. Yeah, that's important. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. All I know is I'm not going to mess with Brenna. She's going to body, bodybuilder, power lifter, shark attacker, the Krav Maga, okay, I don't know Muay Thai. 
I'm going to make it okay. I will trip you. And she'll trip you. I will trip you. If there's a moment of where, like, it's me or you, like, I love you guys, but. No, you don't. <laughs> and don't be, yeah, don't be around the bull with Brenna. No. Oh, Brenna will throw a rock. The bull eventually will run. That's what she'll oh, Fitness tip 101. All you need to do is hurdle that fence and trip up the other person and your goal's in. That messed up. So you piss off the ball, but it should be the other person get out of there. Pretty much. Pretty much. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so just to tie this off, one thing, which it ties into with your business and everything too, but you mentioned it with your search for Krav Maga, was finding what, finding what excites you or what is going to keep you motivated. That's why you got into Krav Maga. That's why you chose short-term rentals. You didn't just do what somebody told you that you should do or what was going to maybe make the most money or maybe whatever, get you in the best physical shape you picked. This is what I like. And I think that I can continue on with that can keep me motivated instead of burning out or losing interest. Yeah, definitely. The thing that's going to make you the most money, get you in the best shape, make you happiest is going to be the thing you're actually going to do. Yes, there are things that could probably get me a much better shape than crap guy, but I'm not going to do it. My was day, I'm not going to do it. Yeah. So find what works for you. Everybody's got different things. That's why the gym is my thing. The jujitsu is Wes's thing. Tricking people is Brenna's thing. <laughs> gonna have a strong <laughs> leg to do that. So that's why. That's I now don't want to. I don't want to be Brenna in person anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, yeah. but that's a good point though that you make because you're like I'm not gonna do anything that I don't like because this is the thing. There's so many people that think there's only one way to really get out there and be active. And I've said before, being active is for somebody, maybe just getting certain amount of steps in per day walking. Like at least you're active and not mm. sedentary. And if you do something that you do not like, you will not be able to keep it up. And so that's why I, I revert, like I'll do the gym. Sometimes I'll go on a powerlifting phase and then sometimes I'll go on a running phase. Sometimes I'm like, maybe I'll get back into kickboxing. And sometimes it might be just a collective thing, like, one month I'm doing this, one month I'm doing that, but it's because I do not want to get burned out because I know if I get burned out, I'm not going to do it at all. So it really is like whatever makes you, it's not just about the physical aspect, but the mental aspect as well. Whatever makes you feel better and what makes you feel like you want to do it or keep going, I think that's the biggest takeaway is like you're good at that. Like you know what you like and you know what you don't like and to be able to continue it, you're going to stay on the path. It's like what Jason said earlier about business. Find something you enjoy doing. If you want to enjoy doing it, why do it? Yeah, yeah you're going to hate your life. <laughs> yeah. You, yeah. You had a good point in there too. You said real quickly is getting, you got to be better than yourself the day before. I don't have to be as fit as Kale and Wesley. They look much fitter than I am. I don't want six pack abs or anything like that. All they got to be in a better person than I was yesterday. One better at fitness, one better at faith, one better at finances and family and fun. So just all I'm comparing is me. Yeah. That's it. And that's what anybody should do is how do I get better than I was yesterday? Not a six pack abs. I don't want to look like huge and buffering. That's not my, that's not my goal. Set your goals. That's good for you and work towards them. Not try to be like someone else. Yeah. And that's a golden nugget right there. That's a golden nugget right there. So let's talk about your faith a little bit. And we had touched on that, that a little bit offline and you had mentioned you with these five F's and these various other things that faith is an, an integral part of these these various things and these, what's considered having a holistic life. So what is just share, if you don't mind a little bit about your kind of your faith journey and where you're at. 
Sure. So faith was always something I've had trouble with. I'm not talking about the faith when it comes to being God says, right? I don't talk about faith when it comes to being open to receive, spending time with yourself and meditation, things like that. It's one of those things that we think of as people as wooey or sometimes weird and stuff like that. And who would do that? Why would they do that? And then the more I read about people that are high producers or very happy or just kicking butt in the world, not sure if I can swear. So you thought all of them meditate, all of them journal, all of them are put themselves out there and create visions and are open to receiving that from that vision. And that's what's happened. So it's the want versus should thing we were talking about earlier. I had the should, and then I put out the want as we talked about my vision and things started flowing to me. I'm now on the much quicker path of financial freedom because I put it out into the world. I didn't help people about growing things in there and it ended up happening. I'm now helping other people because my, I don't really want to retire. I want to get to a state where I can do money doesn't matter and I can do the things I want to do. And I like helping, helping them become financially successful, happy, stuff like that. And that was in the vision too, or that, that did talk to about that and that came out there. So it's odd to think me from two years ago, that guy, guy, no hugging, handshaking. Maybe the guy have the pat the back of the hips and thing up like that. Guys can't cry, all the kind of stuff, fun stuff. And where I come now, where I know if I put something out to the world and I'm genuine about it and I put the effort into finding it, then it's going to, the opportunity is going to come. We just need to recognize the opportunities when they do come to us. And yes, I do hug now and look at the cries. Like it happens. That's one of the things that, that's not really faith, but my faith journey has opened me up to stuff like that and stop thinking about what the social norm should be when it comes to manliness and stuff like that. So that was a tangent for you. No, I think that's, I think that's interesting mm -hmm. though. Can you think of, was there something in particular that kind of got you changing your behavior or your mindset like that or? Yeah. So this is, this happened last year and the exact time it happened not a pitch at all, but the coaching for women, they do weekend things and it's all about life and business too. And I wasn't part of the coaching program at this point, but I went there as well as presenters. I helped out and I was presenting on the normal wholesaling, investing, flipping, multifamily, all of the stuff there, how to be the agent. But they did, I think they did something called evolutions and all of us did it together. So one of the evolutions they did was we weren't to a graveyards. You had your notebook with you that you close your eyes and they basically explained a story that when you left here, you're dead. You'd be hit by a bus on the way out, dead. Go sit in this graveyard right now and write a letter to someone. It's your last letter to them. That was one of the evolutions we did that weekend. There was other ones too, but we all balled our eyes out, right? I'm happily crying right now, just thinking about it. And we did several things that weekend that helped open me up and seeing the other people cry and seeing the other people be vulnerable, myself being vulnerable, really made it to understand that, look, this is this, I can be this way. I can cry as a guy. I can be vulnerable. I can be open to receive. 
So that, that weekend just picked something in my head. And since then I have been a different person. Interesting. Nice. So a couple things that I get from that and this, yeah, so I struggle with the, let's just say the manliness thing, like you're talking about, I'm, I'm not at that stage where I'm okay with guys crying and that type of thing. I have that very stoic kind of personality. You're um, still the one that like does the hand thing. Thanks. <laughs> yes. It's like a, it's like a, a universal thing with guys that are like, Hey man, what's up? And they do this. And then they like well, the I other hand, they pat on the back. I mean, I don't know where I ever learned that. You just know it as a guy. You just know it. Like, <laughs> it's built into the, a guy's brain. Yeah, like, you're born. But, they come out of the womb. They're like, what's up, man? There you go. Fist bump the doctor on the way out. <laughs> but uh, no, where I was going with that was I recognize that. And I'm not saying it's the right way because I look at scripture. My father, he tells me this every now and then because he had a similar kind of transition in his, when he came to faith and how he views uh, masculinity and that type of thing. But when you look at, when you look at Jesus' behavior, right, there were several times where he wept, right? And so if we are to look at Jesus Christ, who lived the perfect life as a man on this earth, and take that as a representation of what true masculinity is and, you know, what is okay, then there it is right there. It's okay to weep. It's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to have these deep relationships. And I think we do, we do lack that a lot in society where I think people, especially in our generation or even a little bit older, that's just, that's how society really taught us. That's how we were brought up a stiff upper lip kind of mentality. And it is very difficult to get over. And like I said, I'm not there, but I can recognize that from looking at the scriptures, understanding that, yes, that is okay. So I think it's great that you've bridged that gap and or have this new understanding here and feel comfortable with that. So I think that's, I think that's great. Thanks. Yeah. Jesus also hugged a lot. Yes. I don't think it was guy hugs. At least that's not what, that's not what's betrayed as, but you understand, you recognize it. I guess that's, there's some 20 Robin steps towards getting to some, a place. I don't know what they were, but one of them was recognizing, right? Hey, yeah, this is what I am. And if you're happy there, fine, that's you. So I do think meditation helps with that. Like meditation people think that it's you in a room with like sage or something in this little pose like it's not it doesn't have to be that in i have to get rid of i have to get rid of my sage now man just like doing this while you're like like slapping your shoulders it's more of so i'll do it sometimes because i was looking for more of a stress a way to relieve stress in the evenings because sometimes my job can be so stressful. It's not, when I leave my computer, it doesn't just leave my head. And it's just, I'm amped up still. I'm trying to figure. And meditation is one of those things where I do, you just sit there and sometimes with prayer, you're like, oh, I don't know what to do. I don't know why I'm feeling this way. Or the same thing if they're praying and they don't hear answers, whatever it may be, it's because they're taking the time to sit down with themselves and clear their mind and like actually ask those honest questions to yourselves. And sometimes it's scary, okay. Why did I react like this? Why did I not like that? Is it something that person did or is it something in me? Why am I holding on to the stress of this thing or with prayer? Like, why am I not getting answers? And as clear as day is because you're not, you're not ready to receive anything. You're like, you're so busy in your mind. You're thinking of 30 different things at once. And you're like, just checking off a box. Oh, I need to pray. Okay. Mm-hmm. For the day I've had blah, 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 but I really need this. And it's like, 
you just go in this mindset and then meditation really does help you sit there, clear your mind, know what your strengths are, what your weaknesses are, what you need to work on and why things affect you the way they do. So I like that. Yeah, right. that's nice. It's, as entrepreneurs, we're going 100 miles an hour and we have a million things across our head because we're building a business and a life and everything around it. And meditation or a nice walk in the woods sometimes will clear your head or let you think about things so I'll either meditate sometimes I'm getting better at that I'm still not great at that five minutes maybe is my max right now but one of the coaches was telling me like you have to meditate go stick something in your ears that doesn't have any words to it music or something like that just go take a walk and then let your mind and let yourself think so that's another way of doing it for me thinking of music it sounds really nerdy but obviously you know that's the way I found like this, if you look on Spotify or wherever you're listening to music, look up just, epic. I think I typed in like motivational music or something and it came up with this, it, called, it was called Epic Playlist. And I was listening to it while, because I'm reading this book on private money lending and hard money lending because I just want to learn more about it. And I'm on the treadmill getting in my steps and I'm like, I have my headphones in and it's like this like superhero sounding music. While I'm reading a private money lending book, I'm like, yeah, I am in it. It's motivating me. And my husband gets, he's like, what are you, what are you listening to? And I let him listen to my headphone and he was like, what are you reading? I was like, oh, that private money lending. He was like, you're not supposed to listen. And you're supposed to listen to that when you're like conquering Batman's nemesis or something. And it's, out, but it really does. If you put on, if you're just not feeling it and you really want to you need to learn something or you need to do something, listen to that instrumental music because it, mm. it freaking makes you like just pumped, even if you're just reading about how to file your taxes. But it's right. it really it's really helping me and I'm getting through this book really fast while trying not to trip on that treadmill while I'm reading the book. But either way, it, it, I think it, it kind of, I don't so know, y'all should try it. You then. Yeah. Karma. Taking revenge. The pro, like I'm on the treadmill, I'm reading a book, nothing can trip me because I'm like, if I can keep my stuff up, like yeah, nobody like on Spotify, warrior working music, warrior, warrior working music. music. Yeah. I'm write that down. That's why I'm going to start yours now too. Yeah. It's called, I think if you type in motivational, it'll come up like Epic and Epic instrumental type in instrumental or something like that. And I can actually, I'll actually email you the playlist probably, but I know people think I'm weird because I'm on the treadmill. I'm like just walking in two miles per hour. I'm like, <laughs> I'm getting it done. Like, good, good for you. <laughs> proud of you. Oh, gosh. That's awesome. <laughs> We're going to have to chat about the private lending there, too. That's something I've been yeah. getting really interested in lately as well. But uh, yeah, no, I'm going to have to check out those playlists as well. That's awesome. And uh, yeah, just uh, as we tie this end off as well, go back to the meditation and prayer. I think the one of the hardest things, like we were talking about, is clearing our mind. And I know with prayer, that's something that I, I have a real challenge with as well is sitting there in silence and being open to receiving and listening to God instead of just talking. And I, I do my meditation and breathing practices in the morning to try to help calm the mind, but it's still, it's a conscious effort to try to stop the thoughts, if that makes sense, right? If I'm not consciously trying to not think it's just going in a thousand different directions, even first thing in the morning. Yeah. Trying to get that time where you can quiet the mind, get some of these things out and just 
sit there and be open to receive, open to listen, instead of trying to just always be the one in the driver's seat, I think is very important. This has been really good. So I appreciate your time with us, Jason here. And uh, just want to kind of wrap this up with a, a couple of questions here. And uh, you mentioned one, so I think this is great. The family first investor book, which is something that I'm going to check out, but we typically ask you, do you have three books? So that's one of them, but do you have two other books, any area that you think that could, had really a big impact on your life? Go-giver. The Go giver had a huge impact in my life and I'll ask three. Maybe I like to go in three. Turn me for a second. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Tribe of Millionaires. It is a go abundance book. I like storybooks, so go give us a story. That was a teacher's story too. I went, I've been to school. I got a master's degree. I've seen read enough business books that are just dull. Right. I have trouble with books. I've read traction. I do some traction based things. I have trouble with reading a book like that, even though I know it's amazing. But yeah, those both of those books, the Go Giver and the Tribe, are all about a lot of giving and a lot of surrounding yourself with the right people. Excellent. And if you had to give three practical tips, again, it can be in any of these areas that we've talked about, three practical or actionable tips for our audience, do you think of Three practical tips. We can tie them all together, I think. All right, perfect. So sit down and write the vision that you want your life to look like. Hmm. And you can read the vision to do it, but Write it down when you're doing it, write it like you're in the moment, you're feeling you're there, the smells, the sights, how do you feel? How's the sun glistening off of the windows? You want to feel like you're there. That's going to, that's going to basically tell you exactly what you should be doing with your life. From that point, another practical tip is now you got to plan based on that. What do you need to do to get there today, tomorrow, next week, next month, next year? I'm going to another planning session now because it's mid-year, but plan your year to your vision. And the, I guess the other practical tip is only be better. You only have to be better than you were yesterday. Don't compare yourself with other people. Yeah. I like that. Awesome. And then Brenna, you want to close it off with your famous question? Oh, she scares me. That I found that when you said that, it reminded me of, so it's, you only have to be faster than the slowest person running. There you go. That's what I'm pretty sure I'm the slowest person's podcast, but we're waiting. <laughs> Anywho, yeah, what's your favorite place you've ever had pizza? What's the best pizza you've ever had? And like, where is it from? Gino's East in Chicago, deepish. I went there to order pizza and I was so confused. I'll get a pizza. That'll be an hour. What do you mean an hour? Oh, is it that place that has, it's like, yeah, it's like, like a, big and deep. Yeah. It came it's out and we cut it. I'm like, how is it staying together? Like, it should be falling everywhere, but it's on the pizza. So yeah, that's nothing easy as right. It's a casual pizza, but I was trying to think mm -hmm. of a place. There was a place in Memphis, Tennessee called Aldo's. They have wonderful pizza. They used to have a mango chutney habanero pizza, but they don't have it anymore, which is sad. No, it's really good. Yeah. Excellent. Thank you again, Jason. Really appreciate this. Lots of golden nuggets there. Lots of really good information in all these areas and really <laughs> congratulations on all your successes and these new business ventures that you have going on. So where can people reach out to you or where can people find you? I'm older, so Facebook's the best place to find me. I just, just Jason, we get on Facebook. I am on Instagram, REI Investment Journey. And if you guys can help me, I have a YouTube channel that talks about investing. It just, I talk about mindset too. I'm at like 223 subscribers. One of my goals is he was to get to a thousand so I can help more people. Right. So awesome. if you want to 
channel, Jason R. Holmes, like my shirt, probably Jason R. Holmes and watch videos, subscribe. That's the best place. But if you want to talk to me, Facebook's the best place. I bet you're going to say, um, oh, you can find me on MySpace. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> I was like waiting for it. I was like, wait, is that still a thing? Yeah, MySpace, Jared. Yes, I did. Yeah. No, but it's probably gone. <laughs> Oh, cool. uh, don't look on MySpace for Jason. Look on Facebook. Yeah, look me on look me on Facebook and go to YouTube. We watch my channel if you like it. Subscribe. There we go. Yes, definitely check it out. And once again, thank you, Jason. I really appreciate your time. Thank, thank you, see you guys. Later. Thank you. Bye.